We're opening up the mailbag to answer your questions of the Miami Heat for both this season and beyond. Does Miami have a point guard problem? Which young player has the most potential? Is it time to look to the future after Jimmy Butler? And is there a chance the Heat might miss the playoffs? We answer all that and more on today's episode of the Locked on Heat. You are locked on Heat. Your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg. Joining me as always is David Mill. However, you're tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more right now. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets. Guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Great show for you today. We're opening up the mailbag to answer questions about the Heat's point guard situation. Which of the young guys has the most potential and free agent targets in the year 2026? Because, David, it's never too early to look ahead. Uh, As always, you can send questions to us on Twitter, uh, Instagram, or email. But let's just jump right into this first one. It comes from your pal Pete, who writes in, After watching the first preseason game, our point guard situation is worse than I expected. Is it time to reevaluate the James Harden situation? We really need one regular season for Jimmy and Bam to have easier shots. David, you know where I stand on this before even the preseason started. But after having watched that first preseason game, do you feel differently about the point guard situation, even before we get into the the James Harden of it all? No, I, I was pretty lukewarm on where the point guard situation was i knew that it was not exactly going to be a position of strength i think kyle is going to be fine as a starter and i think drew smith is also going to be acceptable as a backup uh and with, without much expectation for him and I, I think a lot of people have kind of confused gabe vincent's value and that's even amongst like heat fans like they spent much of Gabe's tenure in Miami bagging on who he was as a player when all the time I thought he was pretty solid as a defender, as a potential scorer, and he had some moments here and there, and I liked his effort. And him as a person and as a person that we spoke to in the locker room many times, he was always a great quote and everything else. So I, I think that's something that that Heat fans have kind of overlooked. And then at the same time, now that he's gone, he's like, oh, man, I wish we had Gabe Vincent back. Well, you spent most of his tenure – ripping on who he was as a player. So I don't know that that's necessarily the case. As far as Drew Smith is concerned, he doesn't look great. He looks okay. He's going to have some nice defensive possessions here and there. He might have a nice game offensively if he can raise that level up somewhat. He didn't do anything, uh, Drew Smith. He didn't really make an impact uh, against Charlotte. He was out there, uh, but he didn't really do anything of note. It was, yeah. So I think that's pretty much where the point guard position stands. I think it's one that's been de-emphasized a little bit, uh, not to the same degree. Well, more perhaps than it was like during the big three era, and this is not a knock on Mario Chalmers, but it's not like, again, the point guard. (laughs) They weren't defining those teams anyway. They had big moments, and I think, again, because of the glory of those years, we've all kind of of accepted that Mario and Norris Cole were these really great players, but in fact, they were really just role players that were elevated because they were playing – with three other Hall of Famers. Um, the problem is with this team, you don't have three Hall of Famers. You've got <laughs> Jimmy right. and you've got Bam, who are two of the top 20 players in the NBA. But besides that, this team lacks a whole lot of uh, depth 
Uh, I would put Tyler Hero. We'll see if he can make a leap into into being maybe one of the top fifty or sixty guys in the NBA. Yeah. Um, but even then, after that, you're just not really seeing a whole lot of depth there. And look, the Kyle Lowry. I know that Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler are great friends, and people assume that they should be great on the court together because of that. But they're not. Like, they, no. like together, Different they don't styles. really play the same. Yeah, they don't play the same pace. Um, Jimmy wants to take the ball out of Kyle's hands. Kyle wants the ball in his hands, and that takes the ball out of Jimmy's hands. And I don't know that it's ever really worked uh, a whole uh, to a great degree. And certainly not last year. The team got better when Gabe Vincent was kind of just being this three and D player, kind of off to the side and letting Bam and Jimmy and Tyler just sort of cook with the with the ball in their hands. Um, the other name that you didn't mention yet was Josh Richardson, who was sort of in the running for that point guard spot. It does not seem as if, at least for right now, like he's grabbed that job and run with it. In fact, I, I think it's pretty clear that he's not even he wasn't even used as a point guard in that game against the Hornets. It was. Kyle Lowry and Josh Richardson starting in that backcourt. Kyle Lowry was the point guard. He was the one initiating offense. And Josh Richardson, the first few possessions, just went to the corner and spaced the floor. Like, no point guard duties whatsoever. Uh, And then eventually they would get into other lineups and other rotations, and it was Tyler Hero running the second unit and things like that. Josh Richardson essentially never ran the offense. And by the way, he's not a point guard. That's fine. Like, that's not... His job, it's never really been his job other than that one last year in Miami where he averaged four assists a game. And even then, no, was, like there was, was Dwayne Wade and there were Goran Dragic and all these other guys there. So look, I, I, I think the Heat have a point guard problem. I don't know that I feel differently about it uh, after the one game, the one preseason game, because like you, I, I was, I'm like, this is, they're pretty lukewarm. I think they need to make an improvement. I think it's something that they have to address. And, and I don't, I'm not really sure how they do it. One option is just say, ah, screw it. Just give the ball to Tyler Hero and let him go. And I think that might be their best option right now, quite frankly, because to uh, your pal uh, Pete's point here, they just need to take the load off of Jimmy and Bam in some way. And the one thing we know about Tyler is he'll shoot it 22 times in 24 minutes. You know what I mean? Like, he'll just do that. And I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it, honestly. And, and for the regular season, as long as you get the other forms of your offense and it's not, you know, Tyler Hero is not Luka Doncic where it's, just, it's like the whole offense is going to run through him. Like he's going to make the right play and, and be part of a of, of an offensive system um, where he is not the offensive system. But the other option is to make a real move. And that brings us to the James Harden part of this question. There are the latest reporting from Woj and, and from others is that Philadelphia and, and the Clippers have engaged in some trade talks, but now it's a little bit of a stalemate because the Clippers don't want to negotiate against themselves and Philadelphia wants a better offer. And David, it's like deja vu. I feel like this is the same thing we did when we talked about Portland and Miami. Miami doesn't want to negotiate themselves. Portland's looking for a better offer. And then Portland found what they deem to be a better, or at least in their case, a different offer. And so if there's maybe an opportunity for Miami to kind of sneak in and be the Milwaukee of this James Harden situation to say, you know what? Philadelphia is not making any moves. We'll come in and trump whatever offer there is. And we're going to, we're going to walk away with a, a 20 point 10 assist bucket getter who can be the guy who can run this offense for the regular season. I, you know where I stand on the Harden thing. I think it's worth exploring. Um, where are you on this? <sighs> Still where I've been, which is I, I don't think like I, I, I vacillate. I sometimes I consider the, the fact that he's still an all star and a very good player. He might not be the same level of player that he was, but he's evolved and he's, he's become a very, very good 
facilitator and playmaker and still capable scorer. So, I mean, I think that's, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I have a hard time separating the off the court stuff with the on the court stuff. And of course the, the impending trade requests or whatever other problem he might have with whatever team he gets traded to other than the Clippers for whatever reason. And even then I can't imagine that he's going to stay happy and stable in whatever environment he's in. That's a James problem, not a wherever he's located problem. So I, I think it's worth considering also, at the same time, given the optimism from, you know, yesterday's preseason game, and I know it's a preseason game, and the way Jaime Hawk has played, like, what is Miami going to trade that wouldn't upset some large swath of Heat fandom there because, you know, they're now we're giving up on the rookies or the potential of Nikola Jovic. You're not going to be able to trade, like, don't, Drew Smith. You, you do not include pick. Jovic and Hawkes. That's a non-starter. But I don't think you have to, based on what the clip. So, uh, again, according to some of this reporting, Sixers want draft picks because they know that they're not going to get the next big acquisition in this James Harden deal. But they think if they have some draft picks in the future, that they could spin that in, in a future deal to basically supplement a roster around Joel Embiid and Tyrus Maxey, who is a star on the make. Like Tyrus Maxey is an awesome player. You know what I mean? So you have those two guys, Tobias Harris and, and all these guys, and then maybe some picks that you could flip in, in February before the deadline. That's sort of their thinking. That's their idea. And I think that's the right thinking, by the way, because it's very clear that James Harden's not netting you a star the way that he used to. So if I'm Miami, I say, okay, here's one future first-round pick. We'll give you Kyle Lowry's expiring to get up there in the salary matching part, part of it. And you know what? Do you ex do you consider throwing in Caleb Martin, who you might not... We're going to talk about Caleb later on in the show, but like you're not, you might not be able to pay him anyway. It, it gets you off of the need to pay him. I don't know. Right. It, 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 it at least could be an option. And obviously the, the other part of that too is uh, the other sort of scenario that we've already talked about is you put Duncan Robinson and Kyle Lowry in the trade, and then you get Harden and PJ Tucker back. Right. And now Philly doesn't have to deal with paying PJ Tucker, even though they do have to deal with paying Duncan Robinson. He might just be a better fit on that new Sixers team from a floor spacing perspective. So I just think that if you're the heat, you go in there and you say, Hey, look, we're not giving you Hawkeyes. We're not giving you Jovic. I don't think that Philly wants those guys. I don't think that those guys have much value to a team that wants to win right now, like Philly, where in the same way that a draft picks do, because draft picks are like new cars and they're just worth more as opposed well, to the, the, the Heat aren't interested in Harden either. So I, I guess this is all kind of a moot discussion. I, I would say to kind of put a bow on the conversation sure. when it comes to the upgrading the point guards position, I think it's going to have to be a wait and see thing because somebody's going to shake loose. Either somebody's going to be upset with a team where our point guard's going to have fallen out of favor and not get significant playing time. I don't know who that might be. We can't see that because, again, we're at the very start of the preseason. By the time February's trade deadline rolls around, somebody will be available, and that might be Miami's best and perhaps only opportunity to upgrade the position. There is one free, free agent available that we were asked about. We'll get to that question next. Plus, which young player has the most potential on the Heat? We're going to talk about that next here on Locked on Heat. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Snap into the action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. Have you placed anything on the Dolphins? I know that's your policy not to. But considering that incredible offense, have you taken a chance on the Dolphins yet? I don't bet on the Dolphins. Uh, I don't want to jinx it. I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to be the problem. All right. Well, I don't think that will be the problem, but I, I think scoring won't be a problem for Miami. So if you want to place a bet on that, I think that's a good opportunity. That's $200 of bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, 
There's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Thanks for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. We are opening up the mailbag today to answer your questions. You can send them in on Twitter, Instagram. You can email us, LockedOnHeat at gmail.com, LockedOnHeat on Twitter and on the old IG. Uh, before we move on to uh, future free agent targets, <laughs> uh, we got some other questions. This one comes from RJ. Who writes in, who is better defending small guards on the perimeter, Josh Richardson or Kyle Lowry? I think it's a worthwhile thing to bring up. I'm going to just, I think it's Josh. I think Josh Richardson is better at this point in his career in small, in defending small guards. He's got the wingspan and the lateral mobility to, to sort of corral them in a way yeah. that Kyle Lowry at 37 is just not going to happen. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I think he takes chances. They're different in their approach. I think yes. Kyle, because he's lost a step. Has that strength, the bulk, if a lot of Heat fans would probably appreciate that kind of terminology, but he kind of puts a hand, kind of uses his body to create a little bit of leverage in his favor, push their point guard off of their preferred spots, and kind of just stays with them on their hip a little bit, knowing that he's going to get some help because somebody's going to rotate over, there's going to be a switch or something along those lines. With Josh, I think he feels like he could probably handle that matchup one-on-one, takes a little unnecessary risk sometimes using his superior you know, with wingspan to kind of try and poke the ball free or force a turnover. It's worked. I mean, it worked yesterday. I think it'll work again. So I, I think he can get toasted a lot too, because again, he's trying to take a chance to force a turnover rather than just being direct and one-on-one and trying to prevent you know, an open lane to the rim. At the same time, I think he's just better than Kyle. So it's, yeah. it's a picker poison, but I would say at this point, Josh is probably a step or two better than Kyle. And I, I do wonder how much that'll play into Spo's decision ultimately as to who to start there. I think people tend to focus so much on the offensive part of it, the playmaking part that a point guard has to do. But defensively, if you're having to match up with Trey Young and LaMelo Ball and Damian Lillard and all these point guards in the Eastern Conference, you have to at least think about who's defending them. And, uh, and I think that's a big part of it. Jordan writes I mean, in. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no just in the one preseason game. Like we saw Kyle picking up LaMelo ball. And that's like a player who's much taller and longer. And yet Kyle did a pretty good job again, by just virtue of being able to just put his body, put a hand on there, make things a little bit more uncomfortable. And I think that's going to be what what he does for the rest of his career. Jordan writes in, if we have one point guard on the roster, should we sign somebody like John wall? Let's just be quick about this one. Um, Are we sure John wall is a free agent or he hasn't retired yet? I mean, the, the John wall thing, I understand that Miami fans have been looking at John wall um with starry eyes for a very long time but he's old and he's not good and he hasn't been good in a very long time and i think we just got to move on i think i would rather see in no particular order i would prefer i think goran Dragic just for the vibes uh i think that would be good but i don't think yeah but i don't think goran i I mean i hate to say it but i don't think he's i don't think he's healthy i don't think he's good at this point in his career and i think it's probably a wrap for him if there's another option out there along the same kind of possibility isaiah thomas i mean Oof. if you're worried about if you're worried about scoring from the point guard position you'll get it with it will you? you're gonna give up i think he can i think he can no. like even it's even in moments just, you know let's um let's just put a ban on the washed up point guard conversation can we like just i'd i'd honestly just take roll Austin with drew Rivers. smith or whoever 
Austin Rivers is probably a better player at this point than than any of those guys that we already talked but about. I, I, like I made the point though, like they're not signing him because it's a, a significant. It's actually I looked into it. A player with ten plus years of NBA experience, like Austin, would command two point eight million dollars as a veteran minimum for him. Yeah. So that's a significant cap hit that Mickey multiplied is by the luxury watch. tax and all these things. Yeah, that's you go cheap and you go Drew Smith and you just hope that you have enough ball handling somewhere else in the roster to figure it out, or you trade for James Harden. Um, let's get to this next question who comes from, uh, comes from RJ who says, rank the following players in order of potential. Cole Swider, Jaime Hawkins Jr., RJ Hampton, Orlando Robinson, and Nikola Jovic. Rank those players in order of potential. Let's start with, um, let's start with the least amount of potential and go, go to the most potential. Uh, do you want to take a shot at this? Uh, let's, <laughs> The list again, I uh, I think sure. I got it, but I th- uh, go ahead, just run it by me one more time, please. Swider Man, Cole Swider, Swider yeah, yeah. I'm a Hakas, Hampton, RJ Hampton, Orlando Robinson, and Nico. I think the least potential is probably Orlando Robinson. I think he's probably, if not maxed out what physical tools he has, I don't know that there's another level for him to reach in terms of like his defensive mobility and. I, I think you can continue to work on those things, but I think he's probably maxed out. I think next on that list, Jaime Hawkins. I think again, a twenty-three, as good wow. as he has been. I don't think that I don't think there's a lot of potential there. We're not going to see him. I think that he's going to be this kind of player, which is probably a good NBA role player for the rest of his career, and that's fine. Like you can get to six man of the year level consideration at some point. He can be a really good plug and play player. There's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to emerge into into a superstar. Uh, after that, I'd say Swider because I think he has physical tools in the three-point shooting. His baseline is so low that whatever potential he has, I think he can continue to excel at that. I would put Hampton next because he has those physical tools. And then I know it probably sound a little biased, but I think Jovic, by just virtue of being able to incorporate all the physical tools he has, the skills that he has and will continue to develop, and the fact that he's only 20 years old, I think makes him the most potential. You and I agree on just one of these players. And I could not, I couldn't disagree with you more on the other four. All right, let's hear it. Jovic is easily the guy that has the most potential here. I mean, he's 6'10, 6'11, can shoot the three, pass, play, make. If he could figure out how to box out and and defend at an NBA level, I mean, we're talking about a guy who legitimately has all star potential. And we're talking about potential here, right? I'm not making predictions about how these players' careers are going to pan out. But when you're just talking about the potential here, there's no debate that Nikola Jovic has the most potential out of this group. Behind him, I would say Jaime has the second most potential. I'm going to go reverse order. Uh, I think Jaime has the second most potential. I agree with you on sort of maybe some of the physical limitations, but like I saw that guy 360 dunk with my own eyes. I, I think we're underselling the athleticism there. And I think I, I, I understand that he's 22 going on 23 here. I, I, I think that. There's still quite a bit like what's more his for him to do. I what's his? I, I, I think he's got. I don't. I'm not saying that he's unathletic, and I know that was kind of some of the knock. Again, I think it's partly because of race and everything else. But I, I think he has like maybe an old man game that is kind of like leveled up a little bit. But is he going to be a 20 point per game score? Does do you think he has that legitimate potential? I wouldn't predict it, but yeah, I think he could be like best case scenario out of his career. Yeah. In today's NBA, 20 points per game isn't like what it used to be. Um, he can, you know what I mean? Is that a knock on Tyler Hero? I mean, because that's what we heard from Portland Trailblazer fans the whole season. 
summer, excuse me. Don't drag me into that conversation. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I think Jaime's feel for the game is, you know how I, I, I am about this. Like, I just think that feel for the game is a really underrated aspect and it's something that you could build on. Right. And so I, I just think that there's stuff to figure out there. So I've, I've got Jaime number and plus defensively, I think he's just going to be really good. I think he's going to be a really good defender when he figures it out, yeah. you know, when he's not a rookie anymore, basically. And then other than that, and then I've got, I think I got Orlando Robinson next. Um, yeah. I've got Orlando Robinson next. He's tall. That matters. That's he tight. can shoot the three. Um, he could, he can rebound. Like there's a world where Orlando Robinson is a, is a steady backup center for six or seven years, right? Like that there's, that's probably his potential. I think that's probably his best case scenario. And that's a really good career. And that's a very useful player that a lot of teams would like to have. So I've got Orlando Robinson. Uh, I think I have, I'm going to go Cole Swider next. I've got, I've got Swider next just because the three ball is legit. If he could be one of the best, you know, 30, 20 to 33 point shooters in the NBA. I think that's, you could, you could carve out a really good career that way. Um, I think defensively, it's just never going to be awesome there. Um, Mm -hmm. But you know, there's, there's physical limitations there that he just has, right. He went undrafted for a reason, but I think he works really hard. Um, I think he's a guy who could just be in the league for a really long time by virtue of just people need three point shooters. And then the last guy I have is RJ Hampton. Um, I think we can get sucked into the the athleticism and the stuff like that, but that's what potential is, right? Though I mean, that's what it is. I think a little bit. It's part of it, certainly. It's it's part of it, but I just I don't I haven't seen much feel for the game for him from him, and I, I don't really know what he does uh, at an NBA level other than jump high at this point. I know they're working on you know the three point shot with him and things like that, but I just haven't seen it uh, in, in in any of his previous stops, and I haven't seen it. Uh, based here but the heat are really high on him in camp so I, I could be really wrong i just i've never i've never really i don't know i don't i, I haven't really seen it with hampton to the point where i, I buy into him s- tapping into something because i feel like you need to have a feel for the game and an understanding of the game that he just hasn't displayed right now in order to tap into that kind of stuff we've seen so many athletes um, uh, elite top one percent athletes come and go through the nba just because they can't do it on the nba court because they can't tap into what it is that they can do in part of a team concept. And, and, and right now that's been Hampton's career and that's not even like a knock on him. I'm just like, no, he was out of the reality. league until, until yeah. the heat picked him up on a two way. So we'll see. But uh, Jovic, I think is, is the obvious guy in terms of peak potential, but let's move on. Um, your pal Pete writes in, uh, is there a way to resign J- Josh Richardson and Caleb Martin next off season? And maybe also keep Haywood Highsmith. If not, what is your priority ranking? Of those three, David, quickly, I don't no. know if you've broken down the the right. It, it, it's it's a no. Um, so let's just the, it, very very unlikely that they're able to keep all three of these guys. So with that in mind, uh, priority ranking those three. You ha- I guess we'll go from the one that you want to keep the most to I guess the second. Highsmith, Martin, or Josh Richardson. I I yeah. think I guess. Wow, I, I just I, I I don't know I don't know because it's it, there's so many different possibilities and questions. I think Caleb's going to command a lot of money as a free agent, and so I I guess he would be my and Miami's top priority to resign. But I think it's just I think you have to face the kind of cold reality, similarly to what they did with Max Strus, that they're not going to be able to get him no matter what you want. So it's it's just kind of you have to He'd be the on. one that you most want to bring back, but because of that, he's probably the least likely to come back because the Heat also 
is without getting into the weeds on the cap stuff because that right. never really great radio, but um, it's gonna be really hard to give him that raise that right. that he's going to probably earn after this year. But yeah, because of that, he'd be number one on the list of guys you want to keep. But also at the same time, like if Jaime Hawkes is ready and if you're able to retain Haywood Highsmith, maybe there's like it, it could be very similar and it, it would be very similar cap wise why Denver couldn't keep Bruce Brown, but then they elevated Bruce Brown right in, into right. that role. So Caleb would be number one. And then I got to see what it looks like with Highsmith and Josh Richardson this year. I, I, I'm going to uh, I'm going to just put a pin in this because uh, I think Highsmith's ceiling could be very high. And I thought he played really well in that first preseason game. And I think Josh Richardson could be a very useful player. So, you know, TBD. I think given Highsmith's age, I think he'd probably be Miami's priority. And also the fact that he'd probably be a little bit cheaper to mm-hmm. re-sign to. You could probably sign him for a longer term deal that gives him the comfort and stability of being able to stay in Miami. I could see a deal like maybe, I don't know, four for 16? Four for 20? Yeah. Is that too little? I mean, uh, yeah, I think that's four for 25 million a year. He's probably with the cap going up, maybe with a, a player bit, option. Yeah. yeah maybe, maybe, maybe bump that up to like a, if it, if it all goes well, he might be like a $7 million a year, $8 million. Yeah. Four for 28 with a player option in the final year so that he could test free agency again in three years and still get himself another bigger deal. And he has a chance to prove it yeah. on a potential title contender over the next three seasons. And yeah, Josh absolutely. Richardson has a player option next year right? yes so that, yeah, he's, and, he's, he's he gone out yeah. it's very yeah, it'll be very difficult to retain him and if he opts in either he really doesn't want to leave miami or maybe the season didn't go as, yeah. as planned so yeah, there's no other um, option which yeah. is also a possibility i don't think so i think there's still a lot of you know ranginess and skill there it's just it hasn't always tied together not his best seasons were behind him in miami and aside from that he's had moments here and there but he hasn't really been able to claw himself into a, a, a stable position anywhere. Mm-hmm. So I, I, it could happen in Miami too, unfortunately. Who should be the Heat's priority to replace <laughs> Jimmy Butler in the future? We got names wow. next. Thanks for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. Final couple questions here. Christian writes in, post-Jimmy Butler era, who do you believe are the Miami Heat's top free agent targets in 2026? (laughs) Who is the most realistic and who are the best free agent fits next to Bam in the current core? David, you could roll your eyes at this. I certainly did when we got this question. And then I thought about it for about 2.5 seconds, and I was like, I love this conversation. It's never too early to look forward and start putting I, the, the whiteboard up and try and start mapping out the, the road to 2026. Let's do it. I, you know what? I, you, you can joke if you want to, but I, I agree with you. I also think it wasn't that long ago that all of Miami was like, dude, Giannis in Miami is going to happen. It was after the 2019, 20 season. He's coming to Miami. Then he winds up signing at Supermax, and he winds up winning a championship and everything else like that. But that was three seasons ago. So we're not looking that far ahead. It's just another three seasons as well. So yeah. I think 2026 and, is right around the corner. And the reason why the year – we're talking about the year 2026 here, Christian's point, that's when Jimmy Butler's contract expires. He's off the books for the Heat in 2026. Now – he is done. eligible for an extension next no. summer, and he does reportedly want that extension. I think that's a whole other conversation that we can have about whether or not the Heat should or shouldn't offer him that extension, and if they do, what that looks like, and how much longer that it keeps him here, and all these things. But let's just assume, for the purpose of this exercise and this question, 
that that extension doesn't happen. He comes off the books in 2026, and he are thinking about a future post Jimmy Butler and around Bam Adebayo. Uh, I looked at the names. You mentioned Giannis. He is technically going to be a free agent in 2026, but he's got the player wow. option before that, and he's likely to, he's going to sign an extension. He'll be off the. He will that's not be the right player. The right players right now in Oklahoma City, right? Are they Shane Gilgis Alexander. That's a free agent. He is me. on my list. He is okay. on my list. Uh, Kentucky guy. You're talking about fits <laughs> next to Bam. SGA <laughs> is one of the best 12, 15 to 13 players in the NBA. Yeah, right around, right, right in that range in the NBA right now. And he's yeah. probably got another level to go to. I think he could be like squarely Top in finish. that sort of, I think he could be in that Jason Tatum conversation of like, is he the next dude? Right, like Ooh. people would put Tatum somewhere in the top six or seven right now. Yeah, I think that's. I think SGA could make. I'm not. I I actually would be so bold as to predict it. I I think he's that kind of player. Um, so yeah, I've got I've got SGA on the list. Obviously, if things don't, Oklahoma City, everybody loves Sam Presti, and I know, and it's Sam Presti, and he's the greatest GM ever, and all these things. Even though he's never built a championship team and doesn't have a ring, but nobody cares because he just hoards draft picks and 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 just kicks the can down the road endlessly. That's fine. I he kind of blew it with the Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden team. Like that team never won a championship. It ran into Miami once, and then that was it. And they won one finals game with that core. He never really went all in on that group in a way that I thought he needed to. Wow. Um, we'll see if he like again. He's done a phenomenal job rebuilding since then and getting SGA and doing all these things. And Giddy's awesome, and Jalen Williams is great, and I like everything that they're building. But can they take that next step? And in a couple of years, if they haven't taken that next step, does SGA look around and he's like, well, it ain't happening here. Let me go find a place where it is happening. And he can pair with Bam Adebayo. That would be an incredible duo. I could see it. I mean, it's it's he's a great player. So who else is on your list there? we got another name out there that I think. I've got two more names. Here. I'm going to give you one more name that we're just going to talk about quickly and then move on. Kevin Durant is a free agent. The Heat have wanted Kevin Durant for a while. He's also going to be 38 years old in 2026. But I still would. I still would do it. I would still do it. <laughs> Even if he's like just a floor spacer in the corner at that point. It's still Kevin Durant. I would do it. So uh, depending on what yeah. it would cost. So how about how about Jaron Jackson Jr.? Pass. Uh, we need rebounding. <laughs> um, next. Last name. <laughs> wow. Last name here. All right. De'Aaron Fox. Yeah, I, I like it. That's the guy. Kentucky, like Bam. Yep. Already is part of one of the best pick-and-roll two-man game combinations in the league in Sacramento that quite literally was the basis for the most efficient offense in NBA history last season. De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis. You replace Sabonis with Bam, you're losing something from a scoring perspective, but you're gaining something in terms of uh, I don't know, is my, they're both really good passers, but defensively it holds up, and it can actually be the core of your team, where you could still run that as as the 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 foundation of your offense, the Bam, De'Aaron Fox pick and roll. But defensively it holds up in the playoffs, where we saw that got the the Kings in trouble last year against the Warriors. So if De'Aaron Fox is looking around, he's like, look, it's been real in Sacramento, but it's just not happening here. We're hitting our ceiling. I want to go to a bigger market like Miami. I want to play with my guy, Bam Adebayo. I know that I could just kind of walk in and form a two-man game that's elite overnight, and then maybe we could do it there. De'Aaron Fox should be on the whiteboard. Or doubt he is. I think that goes with that saying. All right. Last uh, question here. Ben writes in, 
Is there a chance that the Heat missed the playoffs? I don't know if that could play air horn or not. No, uh, I don't know the anti-air horn at this point. I think the basis of this is a piece that was uh, published by Yahoo Sports. Uh, ben Rohrbeck, if I'm mispronouncing that name, I apologize. But, uh, well, let's just say he's part of the Boston Media Mafia. And the whole sec- the, the piece itself was basically the premise was a hot take that he actually believes that the Miami Heat might miss the playoffs. If you read it, don't bother. I mean, if you've read it already, I'm sorry for you. You bleach your eyes and try to get that stink off of you. Uh, he's just – he does not lay out a really solid foundation. Mathematically, is it possible? Look, you could lean into all the negativities. Like, yeah, they were five minutes away, six minutes away from being eliminated from the play-in tournament. They didn't shoot the ball well. They lost two starters. There's all these different thing, questions about the team's roster composition, the age of Jimmy Butler. I mean, yeah. Any team could possibly potentially miss out in the playoffs. And I, I think you could see a world where Milwaukee or Boston miss out in the playoffs too. It seems unlikely as hell, but you know what? There's a chance. I think we're going to see upgrades from several key positions. I think there's enough depth and versatility in this roster to make them a very good possible playoff, playoff team. And I think Jimmy Butler is still mm-hmm. very much in his peak. I'm not worried about this team missing out in the playoffs, and I don't think anybody should either. Yeah, I'm not worried either. There's the obvious injury corollary that goes with everything. Sure. I mentioned Milwaukee and Boston. If Jason Tatum breaks his ankle the first game of the season or Giannis tears an Achilles, yeah. You know, but who Oof. like that's not analysis. That's just who cares? Yeah. Like whatever. Um look, I, the East is really bad. I think it's oh. worse than it was last year. Uh I think it's better at the top with Milwaukee and Boston obviously having upgraded their rosters. Um, but Beyond those, like, I don't know that I feel great about, I don't think that there are seven or eight teams I feel great about in the East. Let me put it that way. I've got Milwaukee and Boston, obviously, at the top. And then you've got, in the next tier, in whatever order that you want, Miami, Philadelphia, Cleveland, and probably the New York Knicks, probably, um, are in that next group. You Again, order them however you want. doesn't really matter to me. And then you have another tier. So that's six right there, right? We have the tier after that. That's Brooklyn, Atlanta. Pacers probably, and then maybe the Toronto Raptors. I'm not very high on Toronto, but they still have Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi and 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 stuff like that. They're, they've got some players on that group. Uh, maybe even let let like throw Chicago in there too if you want. Like I don't. Does anybody feel awesome about any of those teams? I don't. I don't think you do. As I mean, what? if you're a Pacers fan, you feel great about the future, but like those are like friends. But they all got better. They all got better. Like what's what, what's Brooklyn, the argument here for why Brooklyn the East is better? better? Like what's what's which team on the West is really going to pop? Like the Denver Nuggets were the best team in the West by a large margin. They got worse. Did I you think, see what the Phoenix team. Suns did? Okay. So that's a, a very stacked team with some questionable depth. And you've got, also the, you've got Denver. Concerns. You've got Phoenix. Poor I thought Golden, Golden State got better with Chris Paul and their young guys are going to get better. And I think Whoa. they made the right moves. What? They got better with Chris Paul? Over Jordan Poole? No doubt. Is he going to have an impact? Like, is he going to even play? I like, like the... in that first preseason game. I think he's it's gonna... preseason. Think... Yeah, it's you picking and choosing it's here. Cool. Like, you can either dismiss preseason or lean into it completely. Like, I think I the, I, I, I think the Phoenix Suns' offense is probably going to be good. But again, that kind of hinges on a lot working well for a sustained eighty-two game season. Like, I, this argument, maybe I'm just the Lakers will be better. Defensive. I think I'm Minnesota will be better. 
I remember you and and and, uh, and Ben Golliver when we used to host Locked on NBA together. You said, you know, the Eastern Conference. I'm so sick I never of that the Eastern, Eastern Conference. David, no, the East that's is worse thing. than it was. The East, like, I'm not even comparing it to the East. The East is better than it was last year, and I think they wow. had a good chance of Milwaukee got better, Boston got better, Miami is as good. I, I, I think a lot Toronto of people got worse. Cleveland. Toronto got worse. How did they, they get lost, worse? They lost because Fred they, lost Fred they added nobody. Yeah, they got worse. They didn't they add the anybody. Same. They say the same. You get a, another upgrade from Scotty. I mean, that's a good team. I, I don't. Maybe Chicago you're not, you're not got, high on them. Chicago didn't do anything. They're backsliding. Their best players are aging and not very good. In Lonzo, they were Ball never into. Reason. They were never into consideration the anyway. Atlanta has the best case for being better. I think Brooklyn got worse in the start of last season. They don't have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving anymore. They've got a bunch of really interesting, versatile uh, wing players that NBA Twitter loves, but they don't have anybody that scores the basketball. The Knicks might backslide because that's what the Knicks do. Uh, I think Cleveland, they won 51 games last year, and we saw a lot of holes on that roster kind of show themselves in the playoffs. (laughs) Yeah, Max Jones and Gorgeous and Yang were were good additions for them. Um, So maybe, yeah, I I don't think that they're... But I don't, I don't know that it's, I don't know that it's wholly better. I just, the point is, I think there's Somebody's six good teams. No, I think there's six good teams in the East, and I don't feel great about the other whatever amount, whatever's uh, nine. <laughs> I think there's I six know. good teams, and and maybe Atlanta, uh, depending on how you feel about if Quinn Snyder can get through to Trey Young and that whole group. And then I don't feel great. Like I, Orlando's good, but I don't see them being like awesome. They're not going to win. 50 games this year. Like, I don't know. I just, I think I, the point is that I'm trying to make David is it would be really crazy if Miami missed the playoffs, because I think they're very clearly in a tier above a lot of other teams and above half the Eastern conference, basically. Yeah. But I mean, that's, that's a lot closer and, and it takes a, a bad stretch from Miami and a good stretch from another team that might catch. Are you arguing that the Heat are all going to miss the playoffs? I thought you were just arguing no, that they I, I, miss the playoffs. No, I, I, again, I think they're good enough. I really do. Again, my concern has never been about the regular season. I said this last year and I said it the year before that. I don't care about the regular season. I don't care about championships either, right? But I think this team always has the potential. I've made the argument before. This team can beat any team in the league in a seven-game series, with the exception of the Denver Nuggets, and I think that could have broken in, in some other ways, maybe in Miami's favor, and I've said this for a number of years. So, I look, I, I just think Miami is fine. I think Boston is fine. I think Milwaukee's fine. I, aside from that, I, I'm, I look at the West. I don't think the Timberwolves are going to win a championship. They might win a lot of games during the regular season. I don't think yeah. the Memphis Grizzlies are going anywhere, even though, again, they're going to win some games here and there. I mean, Portland's going to stink on purpose. Houston, can they take a leap? Sure, they can win 30 games this year. Congratulations. Denver got worse. I don't see Golden State being able to duplicate their past success. Oklahoma City is going to be good. Maybe they'll be a playoff team. Maybe they won't. The Clippers, who knows? Who knows what's going on there? The West is the West. Somebody's going to lose. Somebody's going to get hurt. A team that was a Cinderella team last year, like either Cleveland or New York or Utah, might take a step back. It, it all works out. Sacramento, do you think they could be better than they were last year? I don't know. They could just as easily be worse. No, they're Mike not going to have the same health. Um, they were the healthiest team in the league last year. The other thing that's going in Miami's favor is that they were significantly dragged down by crazy regression from three-point shooting. Like, crazy regression. That finally, like, they caught lightning in a bottle in the playoffs itself, yeah. and reverted to the mean at the exact right time that you would want it to happen. But I think that you're going to see more sustained, better three-point shooting for the course of the regular season. And that'll result so, so. in a few more wins, right? So, look, I, I find it I, – I, I would have a hard time thinking that the Heat missed the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. But um, 
We'll see. That was the question. That was our mailbag for this week. Of course, if you have your own questions, you can send them in Twitter, Instagram, email us, lockdownheat at gmail.com. Thanks for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube and follow us on your favorite podcast app.